Hello, and welcome to Ask the Professor, a crowd-driven, crowd-funded feature where we answer your questions and comments on everything from economics to foreign policy to history. And today's question comes from Michael, and he asks, how can we tell the capital F fake news from the fake news? And my answer is, read a book. Ask me which book, I'm going to say, it doesn't matter all that much, which might seem unhelpfully imprecise. But here's the thing. If all you do is read, well, I would have said the newspapers at one time, now it's the steady stream of disconnected thoughts that come at you over social media. You're very ill-prepared to tell what's true and what's not because you don't have sufficient context about the kind of things that happen. I'm a historian by training. I have a doctorate in American history. And I found that very useful, including in my work as an opinion writer of editorials and columns, because whenever any particular issue arose, I had a kind of background and context that let me try to make sense of what had probably happened. Uh, one way not to do it, and this is very important in the world of social media today, do not assume that anything that you think to yourself, oh, that makes me feel better, is true, and anything that you go, oh, no, I don't like that, is false. That is the worst imaginable way to try and separate the fake from the real. Most news is not fake news. One of my rules of history, and this is important here, never ascribe to conspiracy what can be explained by stupidity. And it's not one side or the other here. If you get into that highly polarized Twitterverse, you will find that both sides are very quick to ascribe evil motives and deliberate deceit to their opponents. And most people, whatever they may be, are not cunningly malevolent, deliberate liars. They may well be mistaken. I think most journalists hold assumptions about the world that are not very realistic. And this does affect how they report the news. But again, let me say, the, the choice here is not between people who are biased and people who are unbiased. Uh, that is an unreasonable dichotomy because, as Goethe said, every fact is already a theory. And I'm not sinking here into relativism, saying that we just twist the truth or select it to make of it what we will. I'm saying that thinking about anything, including public affairs, is a lot like science. You devise a hypothesis to explain the evidence, and then you look at the evidence to see if it seems to support or weaken the theory. And it's a very hard thing to do because one thing theories do is tell us which evidence matters and which evidence doesn't. It's not arithmetic. You cannot work it out with iron logic. Computers aren't a lot of help here. It's a matter of developing a sense of the plausible and the implausible and an instinct for things that are too good to be true on your side, as well as things that are too bad to be true on the other. We see through a glass darkly, as St. Paul said, but you can only see through a glass darkly if there's something on the other side that you are to some extent seeing. So yeah, all news stories are incomplete. All news stories reflect the preconceptions of their reporter and the editor, about not just about what to say about what's happened, but about what it's important to cover in the first place. There are some things that don't get covered very well, like pro-life marches, because somehow they're already not news before you go and underestimate the crowd. If you want to think about the issue of bias, I think the way to tell, I used to tell my students at university, you know, I'm not biased, I'm opinionated. And the difference is this, the opinionated person understands that there are others out there, people of intelligence and goodwill who know something about the subject who don't share your view, and having some idea of why they don't share your view. One good way to separate the biased from the opinionated is to say, can you give me 800 words, 
taking the other point of view that won't immediately read as satire. Because if you can't, you don't understand the point of view you're arguing with, which means you don't understand your own view either. And so the books that I want you to read are especially books of history, but also all kinds of things, novels even. I mean, I've derived more wisdom from The Lord of the Rings than I have from many a volume of tedious political economy. Some books on economics are good, others, they're math textbooks. You know, if you like math, I say, take up chess. Mathematical economics, I don't have much use for. The world is not reducible to linear algebra. But the point of all of it is to pick up a news story or look at a Twitter feed and say to yourself, is this, however sort of convincing in isolation or however gratifying, is this really plausible? Is this like the sorts of things that I know happen? Does this fit with a realistic philosophy of life? Is this theologically sound? Uh, is this compatible with what we know about history and the kinds of ways in which people have behaved? I'm not saying that any newspaper in and of itself is sufficient to keep you properly informed about what's happening in the world. Not ones with a slant that I don't agree with, not ones with a slant that I find congenial. There's always stuff missing. There are things they don't cover. There are it seems to me fairly obvious gaps, even in a lot of the stories about things that they do cover, that they should cover. But the critical thing here, don't lose your temper, don't become a conspiracy theorist, and don't allow yourself to be narrow-minded. Don't just look at and read things you agree with. And don't just look at the news. Read books, broaden your mind in such a way that it will be an efficient filter of the inherently absurd or the subtly vicious, and will leave you with a good grasp of what's really happening behind the headlines. Now, if you're enjoying Ask the Professor, and you'd like to submit a question or comment, here's the URL that will let you do it. And if you think my work is worthwhile, but you're not already a backer, click here and make a monthly or one-time pledge to sustain Ask the Professor and all the other things that I do. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time.